0: Welcome to The Readings Podcast, I'm Dave Little and today we're speaking with Melbourne author, comedian and musician Justin Hazelwood. Justin's recent memoir, Get Up Mum, is about his experiences growing up in the Tasmanian town of Burnie in the early 1990s. The book is told from the perspective of young Justin, a precocious but typical 12-year-old who loves school and sports and cartoons. He's being raised by his mother maureen along with the help of his nan and pop all of whom he adores but justin's mother struggles quietly with her mental health and young justin between sports carnivals and crushing on girls has to balance caring for his mother with appearing to be what he considers normal to his friends and neighbors As a child, Justin spent hours recording family conversations at dinners and holidays onto his cassette player, sometimes in secret. 25 years later, those recordings were revived, along with diary entries, cartoons and other memorabilia, as the basis for his childhood memoir, giving the book a uniquely young and present voice. Get Up Mum has now been adapted into a podcast of the same name by ABC Radio National's Life Matters. He came to prominence as the comedic musician, The Bedroom Philosopher, and his previous book, Fun Employed, was also adapted to the radio by the ABC. He joins us now to talk about Get Up Mum in its various forms. Justin, welcome to the Readings Podcast. Hi, Dave. Thanks. This is my life. This is your life. Um, <laughs> um, first of all, congratulations on the book and now the podcast. Um, so the book originally was based around these recordings that you made as a kid with your family. Um, can you tell us a bit about why you made them in the first place and how you came to listen to them so many years later?
1: Yeah, well, they certainly help. I mean, I made a vow when I was 12 to remember what it's like to be 12. I think that's where it all started. I just had this inkling that grown ups just didn't get it and that there was just something going on in that incredible sort of lightning fireworks year between childhood and adulthood when just a lot of lights start coming online and so at the same time I figured out that if I press play and record on my tape deck and just left it running I was like I'd created this sort of mad time machine where I like captured the atmosphere of my family in that moment on this little brown ribbon and then I could like take it back home and rewind it and play it and I think I I figured that out from about eight, like I got my little um, tape deck at eight and was playing with it and recording with it. And uh, I know a lot of people talk about making their own radio shows on their tape decks as kids and recording the songs off the radio. I guess I just wanted to take it next level and so I was, I love the idea of just Recording Nan and Pop after a few home brews, I thought they were hilarious. And then if I was sort of in the middle, it's like I was making my own closer to a sitcom than a documentary, but technically both. And um, I guess the um, some driving forces behind that was probably just a preemptive strike on the loneliness. I know I'd feel at home in Bernie when Mum wasn't well, and she'd just be flaked out on the bed in another world. So as an only child, you really are like in an incredibly isolated place and um, being able to um, put in some earphones and press play and basically be magically transported back into a time where I'm surrounded by my family and their voices and, um, is incredible and I guess it's made it even more incredible when you do you do it at 12 or you do it at 35 as I did and very little has changed. I'm still just like as delighted and amazed by the power of these things and the fact that I basically invented a time capsule crossed with a time machine and that it works. Like, I close my eyes, I put the headphones in, like, I am there. I'm at the slide night in grade six or I'm I'm in the caravan in grade seven uh, with Nan running amok with the mozzies and... Um, yeah, talk about, as a writer, a starting point for trying to, um, you know, write in the authentic voice of a 12-year-old. Uh, fortunately, I had that. Tapes and tapes and tapes. Yeah. You know,
0: incredible material to draw from. Yeah. So that sort of soothing quality of the tapes that you sort of had when you were young, is that still exist now or are they a bit more frightening now or how did you sort of...
1: They were frightening during my 20s because, yeah. you know... I spent a long time running from my childhood demons, if you will, and what I went through as a kid. And in my 20s, I wasn't particularly concerned with exploring it and I was just doing my best to run run full speed ahead away from it. So I, I carried the tapes from share house to share house but they sort of loomed like these unknowable portals which I just wasn't, um, wasn't in the mood to listen to but, you know, hit your mid-30s and... You're kind of single, not up to much, having a bit of a breakdown on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. What better thing to do than um, the tapes? I mean, little TDK 90s became. Well, what do you know? Uh, life goes full circle, and they become this incredible comfort at a time when uh, I don't know. I felt I knew the story was coming. I knew this childhood memoir.
0: Yeah, I needed to write. So, how did? Uh how did these recordings uh, end up on, on Life Matters on our own?
1: Well, what's happened? I mean, Get Up, Mum, the book, was released in May last year. And um, the book's great. And I'm, I'm really pleased with it that I actually pulled it off and got it done. And um, it's one year in my life, between 12 and 13. And um, the thing is, though, there's a, lot of, um, there's a real aspect to my story of growing up with Mum and her schizophrenia just to drop that 13-letter bomb on you, just, especially for those listeners just starting to tune out, cuddled up in your blanket for a comforting podcast. I'm just going to say one of the most terrifying words in the English language. Schizophrenia. It's great for scrabble, though, great scrabble word. Put that on a triple word score and you just, you're, you're done. It comes from the German word for split mind. And I certainly didn't use that word at all in my childhood, uh, it was just mum's mum's well or mum's sick. That yeah. was the extent of our language around mental illness, and uh, I certainly didn't. I didn't hear the words child carer till about I don't know six months ago. <laughs> we didn't. I just called it my unfair life at home with mum carrying on, and I wish she'd stop making those noises. So yeah, it was interesting in your intro to say that I think you used. You said uh, mum quietly um, battles with her symptoms of mental illness, if only uh, she quietly did it. She also extremely loudly dealt with her uh, mental illness um, which is which really strays into the more painful aspects of this story which is this, you know, what do what you do when your mum's doing this sort of uncontrollable howling type crying on her bed which she used to do which I would just be in a beanbag trying to watch a country practice when it would start and have school the next day and so Yeah, they're the sort of moments. um, And to take a long journey to get around to the original question, um, obviously we've mentioned the tapes and how amazing they are. So the idea of turning this into a radio project was super dupe exciting because I'm like, man, you've got to hear some of these tapes, man. They're gold. And also, yeah, we're getting into the fruity areas of me deciding that, well... You've really got to portray my mum's mental illness in the sound design and, um, yeah, you don't find those sound effects on the internet is all I'll say about that. So um, it's nice to give this, this... really, It really is a story that deserves... Um, you know, we're all awaiting the Netflix series. I mean, I'm just looking at me watch, waiting, counting down the minutes till that <laughs> just magically drops. But in the meantime, I like this um, radio permeation of the story and, um, of course, by the book.
0: Yeah, definitely by the book. It's fantastic. The book's better than the book, I right hear. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> um, you mentioned the word schizophrenia there and just jumping ahead a bit. Um, you don't, until the very end, uh, use the word schizophrenia. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, in the book at all. And and I found that quite interesting because it's sort of, we live in a very literate time in terms of mental health where everything is categorized and named and the experience of reading the book and and your experience of your mother in the book without using those names or those categories i found it was very forgiving it was very it gave a kind of i don't know texture to her story rather than just calling it mental illness or episodes it it sort of bled into different aspects of of her life and your life um Was that something you were aware of, obviously? That's that's really
1: nice to hear. And that might play into the fact that I get a lot of common feedback is I thought it was going to be real heavy, but then it sort of wasn't. Mm. And I think, and then it sort of plays into, I don't know, a a fairly good goal to have with a book like this, which is to basically not just humanise mental illness, but humanise my mother Mm. as just a really lovely, sweet, um, funny, beautiful mum who i loved and got along with really well who had this condition and so um i think that's a sort of un- that's why it's an un- an underhanded account and i guess we are so used to all this labeling and quite technical way we talk about everything and the statistics and the this and the that um it's not often you just get a chance to go yeah, you know, the, the mentally ill person is also just my mum on the couch mm. like whispering to the wall and giggling away. Like I know you think the sort of crazy person on the bus idea is very threatening but also, yeah, it is just, it can just be your mum and you're just standing there going, hmm, that's really weird. I um, <laughs> wonder what I'll do about that. Yeah, And you're, very, you're concerned for them and you, you, you're very curious about what's going on for them and... Um, That's why it's cool to not only... When you're talking about trying to write like a 12-year-old, I mean, you're also trying to write like it's 1992, and I guess that's, um, you know... You're not just mentioning what Melrose Place episode was on TV and what what song was on Rage at the time. It's also about in regional Tasmania, we didn't really say any of these words, and we didn't have this education, and we didn't spend a single day in school talking about this stuff, and I certainly didn't spend a second talking to anyone about it apart from nan yeah so yeah it's really i think it's a bit of good therapy for me too just to um i don't know just remind myself how little i sort of understood what was happening i mean i knew i reckon i knew the word schizophrenia then and and mental illness and stuff but it's still when you're in this vague hazy sort of sense of understanding that um just yeah you know, the amount of, it was just is your mum taking it this is nan by the way pep talking me on the swing seat on a friday night are you sure she's taking them tablets are you watching her take them you know it's like you're trying to get the cat to take a worm tablet it's like you'd have to hide the worm tablet in blossoms mints yeah. um, but with varma yeah. it was sort of like you just make sure she's following them what nan would say to me and so as far as like Oh, Justin what support and like what support did you get? and I'm like, ha <laughs> support, I like that that's good oh i had had yeah, um, just sort of Nan asking me is nan de- is mum taking her tablets, and is she well, what's she like this week and um it was very um yeah, the language wasn't there, but yeah. we were certainly watching things
0: like a hawk, yeah
1: making up our own system,
0: yeah. The book's been out for about a year now. Um, what are some of the reaction? Have you had any reaction from the mental health community or oh, man, professionals? Well,
1: this is where it gets really
0: incredible for
1: me because you've got to understand, um, as someone who's put so much of themselves out there in their art and whatnot over the years, this is still like... Mum and I were kind of Bernie's best-kept secret at the time and I've barely mentioned it all through um, my adult life. And so to sort of drop this big old truth bomb and come out as a child carer of a parent with schizophrenia as I very nervously posted on social media at some point before hiding under blankets. Mm. To have like, you know, I've gone from that to being an ambassador for Satellite, who are an organisation who help um, children of parents with a mental illness, who I didn't even know existed until I'd put the book out. Uh, And they've approached me and and said, hey, Justin, they're like really excited that I've written this book and that, that, that they can meet me. And so within a very short period of time, I've gone from very, you know, very nervously releasing this book to fronting up to sort of a workshop thing with these kids from like ten to 14 who we're all sitting around this table, and it's like, oh, Justin, they're all carers of parents with a mental yeah. illness. It's like some scene from, I don't know, like the Pied Piper when he leads all those children to that <laughs> magical. It was like, hey, Justin, here's, here's like your people, yeah. And I'm like, so this grizzled thirty-eight-year-old going, oh, wow, hey kids, and, and I'm, um. That was mind-blowing for me. And so that sort of, that journey, if you will, you know, it's still pretty fresh and I'm still on it and I still get these emails from, you know, I get emails from parents with a mental illness who have children who are saying, wow, your book offered a really interesting perspective and I now say to myself, get up, mum. And I'm like, "That's that's so powerful, man. Yeah. Talk about why you get into being an artist for and um, you know as much as this all takes it out of me and it certainly does um, it doesn't take too many emails like that or I don't know meeting another 12 year old that I wouldn't have met to just it sort of like pays itself off right there yeah
0: the the 12 year old that you were is very um, present in the pages of this book Um, you've brought along an artefact from that time a, uh, a diary from from
1: 1992? Yeah, 1993. This is a, the... Um, it's one of those countdown diaries yeah, with, like, you know, nice. that graphic crazy art of a spiky-haired dude playing saxophone while some um, cartoon dogs ride records over New York City kind mm. of vibe, in fluoro. Very cool. <laughs> um, well, this is the thing about what really helped... And you've got to thank the only person to thank here is literally kid kid Justin mm. is is who I really hang my hat off to. He's put in the put in the work. And I'm easily compartmentalising two separate people here, by the way, because I'm a Gemini. Yeah. and uh, don't <laughs> get me started on the split person thing. And as an only child, I have an obscene sense of imagination. So, and making up people to keep me company. Uh, so just to set
0: up the listener, you're uh, about to read from uh, the diary that is produced, I believe, uh, reproduced in the book.
1: Yeah, so uh, look, Justin left, talk about leaving behind a trail of breadcrumbs, um, 12-year-old Justin left behind the tapes, and a whole um, grade 7 diary, basically every day covered. So you've got sort of, you're really on the ground here with Justin. July, July 14, uh, Ryan's all over Bianca, but she looks at me a lot in English, question mark, question mark. <laughs> so you had a wee bit begun begun confusing me from... <laughs> A young age. Went to TT. We won 10 1. I'm so cool and cryptic, you don't even get to know what TT stands for. (laughs) Me and Elvis won doubles. 21 none. Uh, We're doing fairly well. See ya. July 15. I think I have lost my goggles. Shit. Went to training, then to KFC, then to TT training. That went well. My goggles must have fell out. Bye. July 16. I have dandruff. (laughs) <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> Rather nasty. Came home with Billy. We went to youth group. Sarah was there. Bianca likes Ryan. July 18, got up, brackets, mum crying, had brekkie, burned over here. Elvis came over. da da, 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 da. So, There you go. What I like about that and a few of the entries in here is it's just, um, you know, cooked jacket potato at school. Mum was talking about killing herself. Went for a yeah. run around the track. And to me, um, it's really important to remember how kids' brains are so different to adult brains and how they process emotions differently. And adults are like sort of these huge, hulking, plodding, emotional giants who are just crushing cities under their feet. Like, oh, I can't believe what's happening to me. Oh, I've had a bad day. Whereas kids are like more like a stone skimming along the surface, just like hurtling along at such a pace. So you do get this sense of like, you know, it was really important what was happening at sport and what yeah. girls were looking at me in maths. But yeah. then also, I'd come home and mum's doing some really crazy stuff. But then, well, I'd go and bounce on my trampoline and ring up Billy and there's a real that really helped. Um, talk about a um, an accessible way to talk about mental illness that's not the big old heavy adult memoir where you're like, Oh, I remember that sad Christmas, don't get me started. Yeah. And the at yeah, the readers sort of going, Oh, how long's he gonna But and I think that's probably what a lot of people, fair enough, think this book might was gonna be, but it's like, yeah, no, it's also me running up to the shops and playing Ninja Turtles Arcade. Because yeah. that's exactly we'll talk about what do we call them now? Like self soothing or coping mechanisms. Mm, yeah. We didn't call it that. I just called it like well, I'm going for a run now. Yeah, because Mum won't get off the bed.
0: One of the things I really loved about the book was that kind of level playing field of all this information that, that kids process. Um, and part of that, I I grew up in uh, five years later than you, I think, like in the mid '90s as well. And a lot of that stuff was just the cultural architecture of my world, <laughs> all of these like little um just the way you referred it like food and and toys and games and stuff and all the marketing and stuff that went along with that Mm. um but what i found really beautiful about that was there wasn't so much a nostalgia for for those objects and those things although they were a part of the world there seemed to be kind of a nostalgia for maybe just that that feeling of of levelness is that something that you sort of felt writing writing the book as well
1: yeah that's i think there's a lot in that um I don't know, I I do. A lot of my comedy as the bedroom philosopher has always been sort of pop culture obsessed. Mm. And I've got, you know, songs about, a whole song about golden gay time ice creams and what the rigmarole was trying to buy them from the shop (laughs) in Bernie in the 90s. And, you know, I did a, I did, made a comedy series parodying Mad Men where it was like ad execs in the 80s coming up with, how did they come up with the solo man and how did they come up with the snack pack ad with the rad kids on bikes? Yeah at some point my friend said like what is it with you and this sort of obsession with the 80s and 90s nostalgia and I don't know it's just I suppose maybe it is if you are at home and a bit particularly isolated and lonely as I really was like talk about grab onto tv as a lifeline grab onto you know what toys and trends are happening and just my memory for that stuff so vivid and um yeah, I don't know. I like the excitement level of that age and hmm. I like how, I don't know, I like how the cliches are always like, "No, oh, i am going to go to grandma's house, it's going to be really boring and we've got to like do But for me it was like, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. because Nan's getting up at 5 a.m. and we're going to go for a walk <laughs> and it's going to be, oh, look at the sky and I, I'm taking these big breaths of the fresh air. and and, now that, and I just, I'm also just trying to tap into, I don't know, it gets a little bit like um, you sort of. I really like who I was at twelve, and I think I was a kind of really great version of myself. And and there's certainly years in my life recently where I've got so bogged under by all this comedy competitiveness stuff that it doesn't bring out the best in me. And yeah, and it's it's not like I don't think back to being twelve and that you know it's just um there's something genius about that age because mm. you're. Uh, you know, a bit, you're not quite a grown-up, you're not quite a kid, but you just switched on and you're paying attention Mm -hmm. and you're thinking big thoughts. And uh, so I think just from a writing perspective, it was a great license to be quite poetic and it was important to, um, you know, just to get to ramble on, especially when I'd be daydreaming out the window at the sunset clouds and imagining a great big space battle on the way home, as Mum drove me from Nan and Pops back home, that was as it was just an exciting time as a writer, just to go. We're totally like letting letting the poet off the chain at this point cause, yeah. um, I wanted to do paid tribute to that mad daydreaming you do, and I just I hope I don't know what kids are doing these days, but I just want them all to be looking at the clouds and staring hard out the window into space uh, because I think that's – your brain's in a good space for that.
0: Yeah. Um, That was a great scene, actually. Do you want to –
1: Yeah, it sounds like I've just cued myself in.
0: (laughs) Nice bit of self
1: queuing mate. I like how you planned that. No, no, you got no idea. It was all improvised. Um. So yeah, basically we're driving. Mum reverses onto the road. I crane my neck to see Nan and Pop. They are a small waving blur. The car heaves forward. The scene ends. They are gone. I make the most of my thinking. I let all my thoughts float at once. I don't need them to make sense. I speed and skim and saw my eyeline across the blur of the waves in the distance as I spring off the horizon and scatter my attention. There are apricot orange clouds strep- that stretched out like spaceships. It's like an artist has painted a battle scene out of smoke. Fuzzy, hazy, fairy floss solar flares morph into slipstreaming stealth bomber turbo cruisers. It's a busy scene, with opposing fleets of warships mid warp, firing photons and fanning flames and fumes and jet trails and blurred ships. I see a long main cruiser with jagged wings and tail fins, swerving and smoking to avoid the plumes of silver silver fire.
0: It's Justin Hazelwood reading from his memoir, Get Up Mum, which is published by Affirm Press. Um, It has been turned into a podcast for Radio National's Life Matters. One of the final questions we'd like to ask authors that grace us with their presence um as booksellers. Uh, is is there anything you have been reading or listening to recently which you would like to recommend to others? Um anything nineties
1: uh, themed? <laughs> it's a very loaded question. <laughs> and it's like I'm supposed to say the new one by Dave Eggers or Zadie Smith, but I'll end up saying Um Hey, hey, it's the best of Hey, Hey, it's Saturday, volume three. <laughs> 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 Which, you know, I don't think I've necessarily been reading that. Um, I've certainly got, like, I've identified some important books that I c- could read as someone who isn't reading a whole lot at the moment because, I don't know, my brain's full for for the time being. But I'll get there. Um, it's nice to, I was quite interested in what Justin was Reading with this book because it's all, it's all very well to say what my favourite songs were on Rage and what shows were on TV and what my favourite lollies were, but I was remembering what a huge part of um, my life reading was and I actually wrote a piece for Mianjin recently which the theme is sort of like, what are you reading? Tell us about what you think about reading and I did actually sort of well admit to a point that I'm not reading a whole lot at the moment, but I certainly have done. And um, there was a book. How did I track it down? This is the beauty of um, the amount of stuff I kept to be able to research my 12-year-old self. So I've kept the, my my workbooks from grade six, um, which basically included this pseudo diary we kept each morning in class. So I've got a book review for Michael and the Secret War, Um Which basically the blurb alludes to, uh, you know, a boy, there's a cracked mirror, there's secret creatures come out and visit him and um, he has to sort of like enter that world and keep peace with the war that's going on. And so, you know, I had really good intentions to read that and sort of lace it through the book Mm. and... What an odd way to answer the question with "No, I haven't actually read anything." And here's here's an element of my book I didn't quite succeed in. But hey, um, I'm just I'm just flying here. But yeah, I, um, I guess that was one aspect. It was like you could just see an editor going, "Oh, look, I see what you're trying to do, dude." But they trying to like basically fill the reader in and watch a young Justin's reading. Yeah. It's probably going to be a. Um, you know, if it was a choose-your-own-adventure, then it could get really interesting. It's like, dear reader, what do you think I should choose? It'd be <laughs> a very never-ending story. But um, I do... Uh, I No, having said all that, I'll just give you a bloody answer and say Space Demons by Gillian Rubinstein is an example of a book that I loved as a kid and I did read the whole thing in a re-ready way. <laughs> um, and... Having not read, like I really haven't, I don't think I've read, reread any of the books I read as a kid, Mm. again as an adult. And so just going down, just having a crack at that, we all know how that can backfire with TV shows and, you know, Astro Boy's pretty annoying actually. But I think I had a great time and I was just really interesting, sort of half seeing how the book was put together and half just sort of getting back into the story. And um, it's boys it's a boy's dad brings back a weird cassette from japan uh a weird video game which when they load up um you can go inside the game and say like already there what a prospect <laughs> you know i'm amazed this hasn't been turned into a stranger things-esque can someone just message jillian rubinstein and see who owns the rights to space demons because yeah even though i have to do a really weird one-man version of it um on a Commodore
0: 64. <laughs> well, I look forward to uh, that production in the future. Justin Hazelwood, thank you so much for joining us for the Hey, Williams thanks, podcast. Dave. Great questions. You have been listening to Justin Hazelwood discuss his new book, Get Up Mum, available from all reading stores. You can stream previous episodes of The Readings podcast on our website, readings.com.au, where you'll also find news, reviews and interviews and information on our current book, music and DVD releases. You can even sign up to our newsletter, The Readings Monthly. This podcast has been recorded at The Readings Head Office.